0: 16. It all started with a hair. Daniel Sylvester. Read by Megan Hook, followed by original audio recording. The time came to make the long-haul trek across the country from Orlando, Florida to Los Angeles, California to continue our quest for interviews. We were lucky to be able to spend a most magical evening at the Magic Castle with the marvelous Tom Frank. Tom happens to be a great friend of the talented Acme character Daniel Sylvester, a.k.a. Sylvester the Jester. We had no previous plans nor contact with Daniel before this, but a quick call from Tom and a slightly nervous phone conversation with Josh had us all set up to meet him the very next day at the coffee shop in Echo Park. We arrived a little early to scope out a good table and grab some java. A few minutes later, we spotted Daniel walking down the hill toward the cafe with a small box in his hands. Everyone gets situated and we chat for a few minutes while Josh dips inside the shop to get a hot beverage for our guest. Curious glances at the tiny brown package eventually leads Daniel to unexpectedly produce a very large and comedic mallet from inside. Daniel is a master prop builder, artist, and an eccentric character. We couldn't wait to see what else he had in store for us. Thanks
1: for coming out today. Well, yeah, yeah
2: no, sorry I'm yeah. late. No, no it's fine. No
0: it's it's, uh, LA uh, and it's been raining. It's
1: yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like
2: the East Coast, whatever. No, no. East Coast is just Rains seasonally, you know, really bad, but then you you, you know it's coming. So you were originally from Ohio, right? Yeah. Yep. Ohio, and um, I grew up there in called um, the Berlin Center, and it's a really super rural rural area.
1: I mean, it's like our nearest neighbor is like a mile away. Neighbor my
2: age, I should say. And it was it was, you know, I was so. Like I, I wasn't ever really bored, you know, because I like nature, and I'd go into the woods and walk around and do stuff like that. And then, um... But I, I just had a, such a terrible like childhood there, you know. It
1: was, right. it was terrible. You know? <laughs> Isolated? Well, abuse. Oh. My dad was just...
2: You know, he, he was a good guy. Was, I, I never understood why he was so violent and and, and then I found out from his sisters that he was incredibly spoiled as a kid, so he always had to get his way, I and mean, when he didn't, he would just be brutal. I mean, sorry, extremely, you know. So I grew up with that, and then my younger brother got killed right in front of me when I was a kid. That was, was it was horrible, and then I just was always living. You know, I still do do live inside my head, so I had this fantastic kind of, like, world according to Garp imagination, you know, and I was just, um, but I didn't necessarily do good in school, mainly because I never had any confidence in myself, and then when I discovered magic, it was like, we were talking about character, it was like a new character I could put on, and now I'm somebody that matters, somebody that everybody wants to be, it was like, between night, it was from night to day. Right on. And I wasn't trying to create a character, but the character is created, uh, or by accident right. almost, you right. know, because as soon as you're somebody who does magic,
1: that's a character because it's a, that's good. magic's it's impossible, right. basically, yeah, yeah. you know?
2: And so that really changed my, changed my life a well,
1: lot. How but, did you find magic being
2: like, kind of in a world... Rural... Okay, um, I was, well, uh like I said I was kind of a depressed kid. I was really late, late bloomer to, I don't know why that was. I guess it's like the, uh, they say in gorilla populations that uh, and, and baboons, even more so, that uh, the young males will delay puberty because they have to fight right. the big male to, to, you know, when they get so big. So, so they'll they'll stay little, and they'll, they'll they they not even and and it really does. Del- and I think that maybe that's what happened to me, me. You know, I was just like, you know, scared all the time, and uh, and then then, you know, I was like really depressed. My mom left. She said
1: like, "Fuck this," and left.
2: You know, and and so I was with the old man. You know, with my dad, my and, like, and my sister and him were more similar in some ways. So they never really... He didn't really have too much... You know, if she didn't clean the litter box, he'd put it in her bed or something. Something like that. But nothing like grabbing her by the hair and throwing her 10 feet across the room. like he did. But, um... So... He, um... I just lost my train of thought
1: there. So I was... I was uh, you were talking about finding magic.
2: Oh, yeah. So... Oh, yeah. So I was... I was taking a shower and I was like really, really depressed, right? That my life sucks and you know, everything I get blamed for everything and I look over at the wall and I see a crack in the tile and I go, Oh my god, oh where did that come from? you know, uh, and, and and I was so I thought thinking my dad's go, see that he's like you did this needle. who else did it then? If you didn't do it, who did it then? and and, and so I put my hand up to the crack and it moved. Okay. Well, I go. It's a hair. Oh my god! It's a hair, and I and this sh- huge idea of limited perception came into my head. Uh, that that you know that we see we we want and the idea of the of the construct that we construct reality that it isn't you know that we aren't always correct that we see what we want to see maybe in a lot of ways. Right. So I pull this hair off the tile, and I'm going, holy shit! And I'm going outside the shower and going. I can't even see that from that far away. And then it, that led to another thought was which was maybe invisible thread isn't invisible. It's just under certain circumstances you can't see it under certain conditions. And so all these thoughts are coming into my head and, and, and I just and, and my dad was depressed and I was depressed and all of a sudden I'm completely energized and I, you know, put on my some clothes, and went and and I get this idea and I taped scotch tape the hair to the ace of spades right and i and i, I started playing with this thing i started doing like a magical gesture wrapping the hair my finger and making the and i never did a trick before ever i'm going like this and it's going up this way that way and then i could the card to start to bend and go right down into the deck and i'm doing it as, and so after about you know 15 minutes playing with this thing i go i walk downstairs a little bit shaking, you know. The old man's depressed. And he's and I'm going, hey, hey, Dad, I want to show you a trick. What? Uh, and he said, I don't remember this part. He said, I said, what's your favorite card? He said, the aces, Spades. I don't remember that. But, uh, so he said, so I go watch and I wave my hand over the deck and just picking up his hair, wrapping it up, I'm going like this, and he he gets a smile <laughs> on his face and he goes. You're doing that with your thumb, aren't you? And then I turned it around backwards, and I did it this way. And he goes, "Go like this." And I go like this. <laughs> so now do it again. I said, "Okay." I have to do the magic. Here. <laughs> and then I went like this. And then he got up out of off of his bed, and he goes, "I have no idea." <laughs> and 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 I was like, you know, the thing in the Grinch where his heart grows. That's exactly what happened to me. And I said, I'm going to keep doing this. And I just was, I had no idea where to get information about magic, but I knew that I discovered the kernel of it, but I, you know, didn't know very much about it. My grandpa would do little tricks, you know, when we were kids and this thing,
3: you know. <laughs> <laughs> you were how old
2: were was a, I was b- probably about 14 or 15, about 15 maybe. And so... I, I started doing that, and next thing you, you know, I, you know, I, I put all my effort. I had been really good at art, painting and drawing and stuff like that. Probably the best in my school, and and but it never. I mean, my dad could paint too; he could paint and draw. You know? My mom could too, you know. So it was nothing that I was made me feel unique or special in any area. And so then I, and that that just led to all kinds of stuff. You know, I started reading all the time. You know, I wanted to learn more and more. That's how it was. That's how I got into magic. And then... Um, and like character, like which is what this is supposed to be about, was completely unknown to me. I didn't know anything about character. You know, I mean, I maybe was creating one without even knowing it or understanding it. But the thing that really made me understand about character... And this is... And character is a huge thing. It goes off in a lot of different things. does different things for different people. Some people... Are play themselves, but even that is a character because your your character, your person you are, is much more complex. And if you're too complex with an audience, they'll be confused. You know, who, who the right. fuck is this guy now? You know, but and they might, they, and they, they, they might not feel comfortable with that. But with me, I went moved to California. My mom had moved to California and lived there, and I wanted to come visit her. But me and my buddy, we worked for a year building a. Car from junk. I mean, it was a whole beat-up bowl, piece of shit Volvo. We redid everything, you know, and we drove it to California. First day here, first day we got here, we went to go get something, and some lady hit us doing about 55 rear end, and bam, bent the whole thing up. I mean, she didn't even stop at all. She, we, we stopped for somebody's parallel parking at a school, and she just bam, my, my, uh. My friend's seat went back. His glasses went right through the back window. Psh, my seat broke off. The Volvo, you know, Volvos are tough cart. The Volvo is all bent up like this, and it was like I couldn't believe that this happened. You know? <laughs> so, out, welcome to California. So, and I said, like you. Uh, so that's how it was, and so um, you know, so. I I did not know how to get a magic job. What had spurred me to come out here is that once, uh, a year earlier, I came to visit my mom. She bought plane tickets for me and my sister. We went out there and we went to, I think it was Knott's Berry Farm. And there's a magician, his name is uh, Jeff. uh, They call him the blonde curly haired magician, Jeff, uh, something or other. He he lives here in Orange County, lives in Orange County. And he was working in the uh, magic shop. At, um, at Knott's Berry Farm. So I go in there and I start looking at the magic. I'd never even seen a magic shop before. And I look looking at all this stuff. And he goes, do you do magic? And I go, well, I, I do some. And, and he said, well, well, show me something. And I start doing the pitch, the Sylvester pitch, the really early version of it. And he was going, I, like my dad, I have no idea how you're doing that. And he goes, you know, if, if you go into a contest, I guarantee you win with, it, with doing this just this routine. I had no idea what, what kind of contest or how to do any of that, so I just said, "Oh, okay, that's cool." So it made me feel oh, I'm not bad, maybe. So, so then I continued, you know, getting into magic, and and he and and I wasn't living there then, but then when I came out to live, I ran into this guy again through another guy who had this kind of an entrepreneur, crazy guy who had a clowning around company called Clowning Around. And then he had mimes, magicians, Santa Claus, every kind of crap that there was, you know. And so I wanted to go there and be out. I'm a magician, you know. And now this guy wasn't my friend anymore. Not, not this guy Mike, but this guy Jeff. Because he was the main magician. And he didn't want a competition because he was like doing all the magic kids. And so uh, he convinced the owner that he isn't very good. So... Thing. He said,
1: well, he, and the owner said, well, I can make you a clown. You
2: can be a clown. I don't to fucking be a clown. This is so lame. You know, and and, and 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 then I went, you know, back home and my mom says, you better take that job. You better, you know. And I said, well, oh, okay. So I go back there, you know, very reluctantly. And he has all this shit all over me. So I put this crazy wig on and I put this makeup on my face. And I couldn't see me at all, and I felt absolutely invulnerable to anything. And I created this cl- insane cartoon character. It wasn't a cartoon; it was a clown, really, which kind of what a car- clown is. And and I would do these shows, and they said, the first one I did, they said we had to scrape the kids off the walls. <laughs> and it was just all insane stuff, you know. It was just you know improvising mostly, and doing you know my sponge ball routine and my coin routine and little things that I had that I could already do, you know, three ropes, and stuff like that. You know, stuff that I, did. but I, everything I did, I did wrong, so I had, it, it was inventing stuff that I you know, I didn't know if it was an invention. But anyway, so, so that was my first discovery of a character, creating a character, and it was kind of accidental in some ways. And what the character does, is it does two things. It makes you feel safe for yourself. Because you're not so vulnerable. You're not putting yourself so much out there. But you're also discovering you. Because even though this character isn't you, it's part of you. And it expands who you are and who you could be and gives you all these notions of, 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 of feeling safe and yet feeling invulnerable. That you could do, I could do anything as this guy. I could say whatever. (laughs) <laughs> you know and I would I would do crazy thing, crazy things you know I'd reach down I'd pull out this giant penny between a girl's boobs and say look she's got a, a treasure chest or something <laughs> the most rude stuff in the world I could get away with as this clown character and, and I would just and, and why did I do it because I had I guess because I'd felt so lame and vulnerable all my life now this is the first experience I've really had was a feeling powerful feeling like I had and it wasn't like power like I'm going to or anything like that but you know that came after eventually no no, no no it was more like a power like I I mattered you know like I mattered and so uh, and, and and it was wonderful And so when so uh, slowly over a period of time I don't remember it was oh it was a movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit great movie And I watched that movie, like, so many times over and over again. And I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to become a cartoon character. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I was working at that time. I got this weird gig. I was working at a magic shop on and off. And uh, they got this phone call coming in. And the the owner wasn't there that day. But this would have been the owner's job. uh, This gig that I got would have been maybe But... Um, but this other guy answered the phone. A guy had been working there for some years it says he said, What do you want you want a, a guy to work in a dentist's office? Are you serious? And he said, yeah, yes. We have a we have they told him we have a movie theater inside this dental place. It's so big, you know, and then we have lots of kids, lots of adults and they're just walking around, you know. And we're we're um, rebuilding it or putting it from one side to the other side. So there's now we don't have that. We need something to entertain kids and they go "Well, i got the perfect guy for you and this guy said and i'm wondering what the hell is he talking about and then he says i just got you a job i go really he said and it was six hundred dollars a week and like to me a million dollars you know that was like unbelievable amount of money to me and i'm going "I, i i can't even imagine that and then right away, I'm blending money to everybody, you know, and that's how I made friends with Kevin James. In fact, Kev, I lent Kevin like five thousand dollars. This was like two months later, or something like that, right? Made, and here, here you go, because he wanted to build, buy some trick. We became good friends, <laughs> and, and so, uh, and so, uh, but I mean, it didn't. After a while, I kind of got bored with it. But I was there for like eight years or something like that. But it was just a, it was just. Four or five hours a day, and then that goes. Was this with the the clown character, or as? No, it was. It was as. It wasn't either one yet. But while I was there, I was, uh, you know, I still was thinking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and and I started moving in that direction. I started doing my everything was for not just magical purposes, but for comedic purposes. For and also trying. And then I, I was sitting there would would watch and. And what I loved is, I loved the sound effects, which also got me back to something that I loved that my dad hated when I was a kid, which was astute. You know, they were the first, like, real, like, living cartoons, basically. I'm not sure if they were the first, but, I mean, as far as I knew. And I, I would just love to watch those guys. Because nothing ever, you know, you hit you hit Curly in the head with a pickaxe and it would bend. And it's like a cartoon. You could shake it off, you know. Yeah. And I thought, that is just... I want to do something <clears throat> crazy like that because I never thought of myself as being particularly funny but that is myself, not this other character. when I became this other character then I would just sympathize stuff you know because and, 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 oh, and it worked and as far as um, the uh, like prosthetics and stuff that was a slow movement from one just I just wanted to look in the mirror and not see me. Basically, that's all it was about, you know, kind of like a clown, but I get, you know, so I, uh, and I would, I would make stuff myself because I'm very, you know, good at building stuff and inventing things. And I made all kinds of stuff and was developing, the character would develop with the costume and with what I thought of myself when I looked in the mirror. And then I, ser- and then I kept doing these voices, you know, and by this time, I don't know, but when I started, you know, doing some TV shows and stuff like that, amazing, I became friends with Amazing Jonathan, or he became friends with me or whatever. So that was kind of a huge thing in my life. To Somebody who's already a superstar was making millions of dollars doing magic and doing comedy. And he just came to the castle and went... And he he talked to me like he was a little kid always. And he he was... Because that's how Jonathan is, you know? And he really, totally gave me confidence in myself and everyone said, you know who that is about? Not really. He's a famous comedian. He's been on every show. He oh, holy shit! He's and so, nice and yeah, and um, and he's a you know, crazy
3: motherfucker too. <laughs> he, he was. He was our first interview. Oh yeah? yeah. Yeah. It was my first interview for the book, so oh. it was a uh, it's a good way to start it out. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, he. Uh, I don't think anybody has influenced me not not so
1: much in, in, as far as. Magic and comedy, but it
2: influenced me as by well, believing in myself more
1: than Jonathan. I mean, just
2: being around him, just knowing that this guy, a super famous guy, wants to hang out with me, made me. Cool. Do you do you ever perform as yourself at all? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do. If I do close up, I do it, can do it by myself. I still want to be funny. I still want to be more entertaining. So there's some elements of. Of Sylvester the Gesture could come out, but what I was getting at is the voice. So, and, and, and that's why I brought up Jonathan. Jonathan, that voice is terrible. That sucks. That ain't it. You think it, that ain't it? And so and I don't remember what it was. I mean, I was doing this like droopy and you know, like all the different voices I can think of. You know, and they all they all were terrible, and I, I can't remember what I did. Oh, inhaled helium. Uh, This guy, I was at a um, magic festival in Sweden, I think it was, or Sweden or someplace like that, and this guy's doing this voice, like this hair, and I'm going, how are you you doing that? He goes, you take helium. I go, yeah, but that only works for a second. He goes, no, you keep doing it all the time, and pretty soon, the muscles in your throat will be able to imitate exactly what you're doing. I'm going, you're kidding me. So I want to get... Uh, what's it called? Um, something hex. There's something called something hexafluoride. Yeah, yeah. A sulfur hexafluoride would make your voice. Now, what am I going to And then slow down. But I still haven't been able to find this gas to learn how to do that. But that's all I did. I just started doing that. And I was a good, a lost at your cervix. <laughs> and that's what I'd say every time when everyone said, at your service. No, I never say at your service. I say at your cervix. <laughs> and then, um, so I would, I, but, but. Yeah. You know, but that's what I, what I know about cre- creating a character is not... You could do it like draw a picture of like what you want, but that doesn't really mean anything. You could go in different directions, but you got to test it, get out there in front of an audience, work it out in front of an audience. And the character does so many special things for you. It allows you to feel basically invulnerable to some extent. Um, you know, if there's a meteor coming it's going to destroy the world, you probably won't feel <laughs> but um, like, quite invincible. yeah, won't be uh, I'm going to catch it, don't worry, box <laughs> I got it <laughs> oh, just blow a hole right through the entire room, <laughs> Sylvester's on the other side of that thing <laughs> it's the moon <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, but but it is uh, you know, I mean I, I, I would, I don't know if this is correct, but I would say that anybody who gets it up in front of an audience at any time probably doing a character. And even if it isn't a character for them, it's a character for the audience. Because they don't really know who you are, and you cannot be all of you at any time. Because we're, we're complex, you know. And if you give the audience too much complexity, they're going to go, you know, unless it's funny, you know, unless you could figure out some way to make it funny or entertaining or whatever, you know, all these, you know all these different personalities. and you're, But I think... The more schizo that I would be on stage, the more people would go,
1: oh, "This guy
2: <laughs> <like gross." laughs> You know, and yeah, they the, the audience, the audience, you don't want to give, want them to want to distance themselves from you. You want them to just jump on
1: stage and want to, you know, right. and, uh, love you.
2: So, uh, and, and and it was all because this guy, really, Mike, told me to put this clown shit on that I didn't really want to do, and I I I did it, and then. And I don't know how you know I mean I mean I did I won't say that I was instantaneously a success, but I instantaneously felt the effect of oh it's like going out Halloweening when you're a kid. You know, nobody you know if they knew who I was they wouldn't give me any candy, man. You know <laughs> <laughs> it's kinda like that. Right, right. You know, and you and and so that's that's my thoughts on, on on being a character. And of course, as far as creating uh, props and effects and stuff everything that you do has to be something that that character would have. You know, you could go... If you have a longer show, if you have like an hour-long show or something like that, you can explore different avenues and different facets of the same character because it can become more complex. Um, But what I've found is that most of the time... I mean, I have an hour's worth of stuff easily. I have an hour's worth of stuff, but I've done it like once or twice in my entire career. Most... Because... I, I just suck at getting gigs. I don't know how to do it. You know, I don't. So I just wait for them to call me. And they're always often somebody from some other country, you know, there some, I've been to every country I could think of and I've done it in English and they don't seem to care. They just like the character larger and larger than life, yeah. I, I guess. I, I don't know what it is, but I mean, when I can do it, I can do it in Spanish and I've done it in Portuguese, but, um, was, yeah, in Brazil and, and in Portugal. i there in both, but I I can't say I, I'm not that good at language. I'm good at imitating it, but I can't remember it perfectly. But it was uh, due to the fact that I was there for like two or three months that I could learn a lot. You know, I was in Spain for a long time, so I could learn Spanish. I know my act like, pretty damn well in Spanish, but not to do an hour. You know, just to do like uh, like a twenty minute, fifteen to twenty minute set. You know, I've done that many, many times. And that isn't what I wanted. You know, I wanted to do, be able to be like Jonathan, to be able to get up on stage and do an hour. But I wasn't really thinking about the fact that people want to, they want a more, I think, a more real person for an hour show. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, you know what, I, I don't know what's in people's minds. Or, you know, they always like
3: me. Always, like, I, I think it could be an hour show. I mean, Rudy Colby does, like hour shows and TV specials, and he's kind of kind of an interesting character, I think. I think yeah. I'm, Sylvester the Gesture would be perfect for an hour show. Rather. But Rudy's much more of a
2: cool guy, not like, uh, you know... He's the, more of a real person. He's more of a real person yeah. than my character is. I get my head blown off, and horrible shit happens to me, and I'm nothing, <laughs> and it doesn't bother me. And so that's kind of odd, you know, smoke comes out of my ears, and then steam comes out of my ears, and all the, you know, and for one where, you know like the one thing is i stick a string in my head and pull it out and play my head like a violin and then smoke and smoke and then what do i do and then i um oh i drink water and then the steam comes out and then uh and everything that i do i want to be, have this level of low violence in it because you know, because the cartoon because I, I i i you have to to uh clowns don't really do that that much. I mean, some clowns do. You know, they have these things. I've seen them do things kind of like the thing where I do. got my head blown up. And I saw I don't remember where I was, it was. There were Russian clowns, too. And it was a wonderful circus. And they were taking these giant mallets, something like mine. And they weren't the same. I don't... They didn't... They weren't appearing mallets, But they'd take a guy and they'd hit him right on the head, like, bam, like this. And then their head would go... Whoosh, down so, says so that they didn't have a head, you know, and that oh gosh, that, that's hilarious, you know. And then, and then uh, and they hit this guy, and this guy's head would pop up. They hit this guy, and this guy's head. It was it was just beautiful, beautiful cartoon like stuff like that. And of course, they can uh, they could do it all because of the costumes, you know, complex costumes that they only used for this bit. And I'm sure a, it could have been the same two guys being clowns all through this show. They just kept changing into different versions of themselves. And it's funny because I, I never, you know, every time I'd seen a clown when I was a kid, it was so gay. I don't know, you know, I mean, I don't mean gay, but it was, that's a stupid thing to say. It's, it was so, it was lame, yeah, it was lame. It was just like, this isn't terribly funny, you know. This is, and you go to see, like, I mean, I, I've seen, I can't remember what his name was, a really, really famous clown. Um, about, I went with my wife to a show, to a circus, and this guy, I won't say he was a fantastical magical, but he, did, he like went on top of this really high thing on his head, you know, he balancing on his head, like 60 feet in the air, I can't remember what his name was, but he wasn't terribly, terribly funny, he was kind of beautiful in the stuff he did, I, there's a bit that he did, I've never stole any bits, but I wanted to steal this one in some <laughs> version. And what it was, and I said, oh, that's cause that's what I need. Um, and I could not, to this day, quite figure out an easy way of making it happen. The only thing I could think of is putting teeny tiny suction cups on my back. And putting. And what it was is, now, I'll explain in a bit. He came out on, came on, on stage and he had this suitcase. He sets the suitcase down and opens up and all these hearts, you know, balloon inflated hearts go up. And the problem with the bit is that... that the latex has some fine holes in it actually, you know? And eventually they won't float anymore. So how long does he have to he's probably loading those. He's got a bunch of people just loading those right in. And what I wanted to do is I did I think I see my dream girl that have two hearts go up, which I think which would, would make it make the ignorant bit, which is, oh no, it's two bald guys or whatever I do, or, ah, you know, all those bits. Funnier because of the contrast. So I wanted to have this contrast with the hearts. Oh, I'm going going I see my, you know, my eyes bug out, and then the, and the hearts float up, and then I do the binoculars and, and all this other crap, and then. But no matter what I did, I could not get the balloons to stay. Long to after 15 minutes, you know, you're waiting backstage, right? And then the idea was I was going to have. Basically, you know those, those like little accordion things, you push them, and, and they're, I don't know what they're for, they're little toys a lot of times, have. so I was going to take one of those, and squeeze it off, and have little tiny like suction cups on my back, so that were holding the balloons in place, because the pressure would, uh, this one would expand, and then I would just go hit this squeeze ball, and then they'd pop off, that's what I wanted to I still can't think of an easy way to make it work, you know. So, and, and, and I'm, this is character too, because all the things talk uh, that I'm talking about are about how the audience relates to you. Who are you? You know, you don't never, there, there's different ways to do, do things where the audience, I know this SOP, I love this guy, I love this, you know, this is, and the other way where, where you can never fully know the character. And that's cool too, you know, and there's so many different things to do, but you have to have one. You know, if the, if you you have to have a character for the audience to kind of feel safe, say, okay, we're with an insane guy, but he's but we know him, okay, and and they have to 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 like you too. Right.
1: So I'm curious, like when you first started, uh, you were saying how it was sort of co-evolving. The character was co-evolving, with the props that you were creating, with, like, this co-evolution. Do you find now? it's more character driven now that
2: you've got like who you kind of know that you are uh no i I won't say that it was more character driven anymore and and the reason well it is and it isn't I, i don't know from the audience's viewpoint all i know is that primarily that i do shows where they don't speak english so i don't know that unless they come up to me and tell me i can't say for sure you know, if they love the show or hate the show or whatever it is. What the reason is, unless they come up and say, "I oh, like I was just in Brazil and I did a horrible, horrible show there. This was earlier, sh- earlier last year, 2015, and I was it was a horrible show because <laughs> it was a horrible place to perform. Not Brazil, but this place where <laughs> we were, and I was so sick and I had like I don't know, uh, I thought I was going to die two a year ago. I had like asthma or some kind of okay. stuff in my lungs that just would not go away, and I couldn't breathe. And I get on stage, and I couldn't jump around like that. When I, and then, then after that, even worse, I was in Malaysia. That was just recently, and I was like, <laughs> I like a, and I'd have to duck behind my props for air to pretend like I was looking for something just to get a breath of air. And I was working with Rudy then, and and. and and it was like, geez, oh man, we gotta you gotta get this fixed and I went to a I went to some lady in, in Malaysia and they almost killed me, but they 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 gave me a bunch of steroid stuff and, and went away. And I was the next two days later I was sprinting down the hallway and all this stuff. Was, wow. But when I was in, in Brazil, I didn't know how to you know what it was that was giving me this. And 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 I did a good show and I did a, a lean that nobody's ever seen before. It was this is an invented one. And my wife goes, Why are you inventing a lean? every this you know, that's not that's dumb. And I go, watch. And basically I just walked up on a blank floor with nothing on it, and went and leaned all the way out like this, and then slipped right back. And the audience Whoa. as soon as I went, because they were what because basically what the back foot is pointed. Right. this and the front foot is just like this and so I'm I'm like this and leaned way up like this so like I said it's a method that I came up with a thousand years ago but could never figure it out and then I said oh, god damn it I'm going to do it and I was at it for for two days in my garage and suddenly I realized one part of the idea was, was stupid and it was way easier to solve than I thought and, and it, and it the audience just went, whoa. And then was are singing right, right back and just walked away from it. And they could see nothing on the stage except for a piece of tape. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that,
1: and. and so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. I have a question. When, how long did it take you to find your, as far as your costume, like putting together the actual, uh, yeah, visual.
2: First, well, first thing was, um, I have to say, I, I got some inspiration from, uh, and I didn't even bring it from uh, the mask. After that, not not so much in my effects because I was already on board, but just seeing the things how uh, Jim Car- the different things that Jim Carrey would do, uh, you know, with. Um, and also the costuming was a, was a lot. And I said, I, I didn't really like the head and the whole big thing like that, but the, the suits that he had, they were, it's funny because this guy's wearing this beautiful suit and he's just completely goofy. And that's, that's what I wanted to go. And he's kind of tall and thin. So I said, I, I don't know if that would work, to work for me, but I just knew that. I wanted to be an exclamation point, and and really, Rudy, and I didn't even think of this as kind of that way too. This hair and this exclamation point on stage, and so, uh, but I liked wearing a hat because I, uh, the thing I could shove my arm way down inside, that 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 was really bizarre, and I and I thought, and I just drew this character, so you know, and I said I don't know if this will work, but that's, that's when I said, okay, I'm with this. You know, and then and then I had the big, this big bow tie, oversized bow tie, and all, every, almost everything I did had a mechanical reason for doing it too, um, besides being uh, uh, aesthetic. It was, it was, it was for for purposes of this effect or that effect. That this it has to be this way; it has to, And there's still always, of course, going to be limitations too. You know, if you do this, you can't do that. You, you know, so. Um, Am I answering your question? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Re- remind me what your question was. This <laughs> is <laughs> the costume. Oh, the costume. Yeah. Well, the, I started off being purple, all purple stuff, you know, because I just l- liked, I, I don't know why, as soon as I started performing, I liked the color purple. I didn't really before that very much. And then I, um, I met this, I, I just also meeting people. I met this girl, uh,
1: Pretty
2: German, German girl who worked in Lakewood, California, at some place called Lakewood Millinery, and she could make anything. And she made this first costume that, that I made that looked like Willy Wonka, because I was I always loved that that character, the way he dressed, the way he looked, you know, he was outside of time, you know. And so I, my first costume was Willy Wonka, and the hat even made a hat, but mine was was shorter. She had this pilter top derby is what it was called. It was flat top derby. And I go, that's kind of cool. And then after that i made this Tom Frank with some splatter painting. You know, so he'd splatter paint this jacket. There's complete Jackson Pollock on it. And I thought, that's cool, but you lose some of the elements of the, the jacket had. And so I took tape and I taped off all the edges of my lapel, you know, and, and the bottom in different places. And then I go, What the fuck? And I put these paper clouds on it. And then I splatter painted it with, and so when you took it off, it had this rainbow kind of from one side to the other with, um, with all the edges, like to define the jacket. And then I had, um, and clouds, you know, it's kind of a combination of Doug Henning, who also was a huge, I completely forgot about it. God. (laughs) I'm feeling an asshole now. <laughs> I mean, when I, 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 that was the other thing I, I, I forgot to. So, not long after, I would say within no more than a week after, and I don't know if it was his first special, but it was the first special I ever seen. It was on with Cosby, and I think it might have repeated. In fact, I saw, right, not long after, that, I did this trick for my dad with the hair. Doug Henning came out to me. Right. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot this so important, and I said, "I want to do that." There's a that, this guy's kind of weirdly, everybody loves him. Everybody, you know, and he it, he made me cry because just the stuff that he talked like a philosopher and taught, you know, and and just put things in my head that I'd never had. Like, oh, I had to like you know, broken anvils and, you know, gears all going which way. And then after that was just uh, like pillows and feathers. <laughs> <laughs> Completely magic. It's the reality of illusion and illusion of reality. And and, and it was just, and I thought, guy can't be like that all the time, you know. I wonder if he is or if he isn't. And then, you know, and I think that my dad, why he was so, you know, he was just Italian and violent shit like that. But he wanted me to be successful, and I and when I started doing magic, I, I remember we had like a Kong show at our school, and I, I, but did it, and I came home, and he said, and he was like really pissed off at me these few days. And I go, so how'd you do? I like, I won. I knew you. And I was like, "What the?" <laughs>
1: you
2: know, and then I did. At one point, we had a kid that we had, and when I, my then I won the gong show, this show twice. It was like, and the next, and the seniors like throw eggs at at the other acts, you know, because they wanted the seniors to want to win. They were all assholes. <laughs> so then, so I won twice, and then the next year, because of this egg ordeal is not having, not having it in gong show. And I said, that sucks, because I've created a bunch of tricks for the new one, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And I asked the principal, award. it was a guy who did our yearbook, because uh, that's, that's where the money came from, that, that was to raise money for that right. and stuff. And then we had a kid in our locally, his name was Ronnie Hanson, he had leukemia. And I said, how about if I do a show and we together raise funds for, for this kid? And they said, that's a great idea. You could have your own show. Can you do a show that's an hour long? And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> so, and so, I I did this. I did this show, and it went it went really, really
1: nice. It went really good, and
2: uh, and so that kind of set me. I said, I, I, can, "I can be a magician." And my dad came, and my stepmom came, and all these people came to the show, and it was was really. And for me, once that happened, I said. I am a magician. Right. Uh, and, and then, of course, you know, you go to L.A., and then you're not a magician anymore. It's, everybody's, you know, it's a completely different planet. And then I went through this whole clown thing again. So I came from thinking I was hot. You know, good at this. But the other thing is I was doing mostly stage illusions. Uh, some small stuff, but mostly stages. And I couldn't – they wouldn't fit in the Volvo because we had packed everything in there. We fit, we fit a little bit of stuff, but not everything. And so um, so I left a lot of stuff behind. I went there basically doing close-up. I, I might have had some of my stage stuff, but I never touched it again after that. I had two dubs, even. And then they just stayed in the cage. And eventually I gave them to the next-door neighbor king, that really liked them. And I liked them, too, but I, could, I didn't have room for them. I, was, I had to move again. I kept having to move. Yeah, the place kept filling up with shit.
1: No, I'm just, we didn't have
2: toilets, so we didn't know. So, um, I, so I want to make sure that I, I, you know, get all the input important elements of this. Uh,
3: anything uh, we do? actually, uh, I posted on Facebook. If anyone had a specific question, this is actually a question that we do ask. And uh, Joel Santiago um, wanted to know is because uh, you build. Uh, you build all of your props. They're all, okay. have you ever had a prop fail on you? And did you recover from it? Oh yeah. On stage. Yeah. Do, you, do you always have like a backup?
2: No, no, I don't. If you have a backup, then you're more
3: likely to get,
2: um, lazy, I think sometimes. So you, I, I believe firmly in punishing myself. And last time I was in Spain, for example, did two shows there, both shows, no exploding head. Just go off. And I, didn't know why. And, it, um, and even if, if I had a backup, what would backup be a whole nother prop sit together? Right. There. You know, I, I, don't know, but I mean, that was the only thing that went, how do you recover from that? If it just doesn't blow up, you're just like, Oh, okay. well, <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll if, if anybody out there has a gun, I'd like to blow my head off. <laughs> no, no. Well, thank you. You know, <laughs> you know so. I, I, you, you don't recover for them. They just wondered what happened, what went wrong, and, and, and that's it. And, and that I think it happened only once before that it didn't go off, and so that's why it was troubling to me and confusing why it didn't. I thought, that, and what it was in the end was almost impossible to to um, to figure out, which was because basically I'm getting arthritis in my hand it comes and goes and it was like it was bugging me then and the whole mechanism was real it was, it's, basically it's a cannon right and it's got um, it's kind of dished out like the bottom of one of these you know it's got dished out at the bottom of the cannon and it's got two little tits on the bottom that are made out of you know you ever see a set screw you know there are these little things you put in with a, an allen wrench right? took two of those and we I drilled them out all the way through right and so then they would screw up into the bottom, of those. and then two caps, like toy plastic caps, you know, the yeah. go right on the end of end of those, and they fit tight on those. And so then I put a, a, just a little bit of gunpowder inside and some flash powder, and it falls to the bottom. And it's you hit it a few times, get it to just settle at the bottom, and then there's a big hinge with it, and you have to pull this back, and a handle here that is hidden in my hands. So it looks like I'm just holding it daintily like this, but I'm really holding this metal. And then your hands do not want to let go of this, because you're literally holding it with just three fingers the minute your hands let, your hand lets go. But I did. And it went, click. Click. And I tried it again. And both shows did the same thing. And what I didn't figure out is um that I had this. That the thing that that is, is hitting is not a spring. It's a, um, it's you know, stuff know that stuff that, that like junkies that, use yeah, in the movies yeah, and yeah, what it was that stuff. Like, going, like so it's latex maybe. tubing. Yeah. It's latex tubing. or they use it on slingshots too. Okay, it was really, really strong and tight, but it wasn't pulled as far as a normal pull It was just that it was strong, so it felt like Jesus, man, this is really strong. But I would sit there and go click, click. And it wasn't, and I don't know why. Maybe the thickness of it, because it was brand new, it was adding more resistance as it would. I, I, I'm not sure what it was, but I took it home and I cut off this much on each side, put it back together, the and then it went bam every time, bam. But the first time I was going, well, this is what, well, this is gonna work great, you know? And I don't know what the kind of idiot I was that I didn't test it, but I think what it was was that I. It is that the one that I had on there broke that day. I put this other one on thinking, this is fine. Because right. uh, after a while it dry rots and I have to inspect all this stuff. But Anyway, that's that's the only time this has ever happened.
1: Have you ever had uh, something go wrong but in a way that you were like I want to recreate that because it was actually, you know what better. I mean? Like yeah. it, was, it was better.
2: Was, um, us what. Um, hmm. I'm sure I have. To. I don't <laughs>
1: Like this is, I need to put that in the show every single time, or figure out a way how that's going to happen. Like recreate yeah. the uh, so. accident, basically.
2: Um, well, a couple times I do the exploding head, the head came right down and hit me perfectly. You know, right, right where my neck hole is, and smoke's coming out. And I go, "How the heck did I do that?" No idea. That would be cool. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the first time I did it, I had no idea what I was going to do, and then I. And th- because I could see down through the box, I could see the head on the floor, and I, and that's when I started. That was an improvisation, just kicking the head. out as I was trying to pick it up, and I go, oh, "This, is how I'll get off stage." I didn't think at all. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. You know? And um, so, and other, I mean, I have. You never seen, I with the arrows, have you? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Only probably only on YouTube, but mm-hmm. um, which was. I, I kept thinking of things, well, well maybe you like it when I get killed. So, <laughs> so, so I had uh, the, and and I thought the most kind of left-handed way to get into that is to start off doing, doing something elegant, you know, and, <laughs> that and I told the artist that, yeah, you know, what I really am is I'm an artist and I have this, you have this big, I still have it, this big backdrop that looks like the, kind of like a Looney Tunes logo, except yeah. it has this character of me in it. And at the very beginning of the show, this uh, female assistant would pull it out on stage and she'd give it a little poof with her hip and the character would drop down like this and then my feet would appear below it and then I'd come walk her up from below. That was hard to set up and couldn't be done everywhere, but that was the beginning. And then the whole backdrop would flip end over end and on the other side was like a Jackson Pollock splatter painting with a easel, not an easel up, artist palette with brushes coming out of it and says Sylvester's Art Gallery on the other side. And so I would do this thing with um, you know, uh, uh, with different artistic items, things. I, I can't remember the first one was uh, you know what I really, you know I said what I really am so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an artist you know and I'd like to show you some of my artwork right now and I I'd run off stage and I'd come back and I had this one um, you know, I can't even remember the pattern. More. But the first one was was um, kind of like a, a Jackson Pollock sort of thing. Uh, no, the background looked like a Jackson Pollock. This was a, oh, this was, no, it looked like Van Gogh had painted a tart. That's what it looked like. So, so right, so this is, uh, uh, this is, this. Uh, would, oh, yeah, I'd say this this really expresses my feelings of vulnerability and victimization. Hope you like it. I tilt it up, and it's a tart. and I'm writing this in So so what do you think, you know, and the audience laughs and go, oh, well, maybe one of you artists out there could give me a few pointers then, and here hear, Sho, shoo, 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 da, da, da. and I get shot with four arrows and I, was, and I let go of it and I go, everyone's a critic you know? <laughs> <laughs> with the arrows sticking out and then I'd say, okay, well, yeah, I get it that you didn't like that one, but this one is even better, you know, this one um, you know, there's all kinds of different art, you know? there's abstract expressionism, uh, and I had this one thing that was really fun. I can't even remember what it is. Marxism, sexism. But this is the ism that really speaks for itself. And I told it up, and it was just just this big painting of a mouth, and it, and it started talking. So, I said, ventriloquism. Oh, I said, hey, how you doing I'm doing fine. You know, and they wouldn't see, because I would do is I'd look down to look at it, and they couldn't see my mouth. And I'm doing fine. I'm oh, well, so what do you think of the show so far? Yeah, I think it sucks. <laughs> and then, uh, and so he would just like consult me everything I'd say, and then I'd say, um, and so, and everything I did with this character, with this big mouth was kind of improvised. And so I'd say, um, some of the jokes were really, really dirty. You know, it's just, I don't, I, say, I, I, can't re- I can't remember, but one of them once So what else could you do? I do person, Oh, you do? Yeah. What do you, what do you do? And I go, I do Madonna. Oh, you do? I, I said, how do I do that? Just turn me sideways. <laughs> and then so <laughs> the mouth would be going like this, I would say, and I go, I don't get it. And the audience is, oh, I would not up I'd say, okay, well, Then hey, they hey, hey, uh, and I, I remember how it ended. It was fu- it was very funny, and I'd go off stage, and then I had this last one. And I said, you know, the ultimate type of art there is is well, you know, a lot of people say there's my blah, 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 but it, but it, I think it's paintings on black velvet, and I had this black velvet painting of. What was it? of of a bomb. It just said TMT, like a big red barrel and fused them. And I go, This but this is kind of a work in progress. It still needs something. I'm not sure what. And usually Billy McComb or somebody would walk on stage with a lighter, and light the fuse, and, and then walk off. And I go, What the, <laughs> what the fuck? And then it would go bow and blow up. And there was, and you could see the background of this hole right through me. And it was a trick. extremely hard to to, to, to do, you know, to make and, I mean, I, I did it like a whole week and it would work and then the next time it'd go and it wouldn't blow up, you know and it was just very because unlike basically what it was was going on was it was a, it was black velvet it had to be black velvet for this effect but it's an ingenious idea um, on one side is, is, you know like I said, it's black velvet and there's a disc and they, they they can't tell because of the black velvet, it's separate from the whole thing. So this thing can rotate 180 degrees really fast. Like boom, right. right at the time of the explosion, like this. And it rotates. And on, on one side is this TNT barrel thing. And then when it and there's there's a charge inside that is made to go off by uh, a fuse. You know, and the fuse is actually that's what Billy would light. Like. And but sometimes it would go put
1: you know, instead of pow,
2: and and I couldn't exactly understand why that was, but why sometimes it would work and other times it would sometimes it would work tremendously good, and other times it just wouldn't. But so when it would go pow, the the face of this thing would go like this; it would exhaust its gas, and would flip itself over instantaneously because there was a, there was a also a, a huge like that same stuff like a rubber band thing would turn it over, bang. And on this side was a piece of white plastic that was shaped like a like a cartoon a blast hole. And at the moment that I did this, I pressed a remote control and a projector that was over there. The audience couldn't see. Would shoot this swatch of lights right across me that wouldn't show up at all on the black velvet, but only on that white panel. And this looked exactly like the background, which was like a splatter painted Jackson Pollock. And when I thought of this, I go, this is the greatest idea of all time, you know? And then, and, and, and what's cool is, they couldn't see any of this, only on the spot. And as I'd moved this way, it, it would look like there was a whole room and I said move this way and I go and I don't remember what the line was you know uh, I wanted to show you what I'm made of and no, I guess I'm not made of anything and <laughs> you know, walk off stage with it and, and I did it you know, a dozen times and, and I still think it's a cool effect it's probably beat to shit now I get it. But, I, but like I said all that stuff was done at the castle and because I rarely ever did shows in the United States that
3: they wanted that much time, and they wanted, and, and they all spoke English. Okay. So that's it. So, is, is there anything that you do before you go on stage to get into the character? Poke myself in the <laughs> eye By accident.
2: That's the hard part. You have to make no. Uh, basically, uh, basically, I keep uh, looking in the mirror, checking my l- loads all over the place. Uh, I just kind of um, try to relax, but I usually can't relax, and I just. I constantly am checking things that I have that go on I'll, especially the like the freaking first thing the eyeballs you know not the binoculars for the eyeballs it's really freaking hard hard trick to do and it can go when you're
1: doing all the checking are you like in your mind are you already like do you hear yourself speaking in the voice and you're like going do you go through your mind like that mentally or are you
2: no, I I, I, I I just try to focus on to getting everything out of my head, you know. Right. Just I my I think much in a very kinesthetic way, sure. you know. I um, it's it's by touch. I'm very kinesthetic, and so I got eyeballs squished in my hands here like this. I'm looking in the mirror, it, and I do it a few times to make sure that they're not gonna, just at the point of being break breaking, you know, because <laughs> uh, that can. And I go, okay, that looks good. That looks good. And then I want to make sure that my jacket, which is has heavy piano wire that makes it into this shape and keeps it ways away from the costume, so the eyeballs can shoot inside here. Now, I mean, I went, and most of the time that the way I had the trick looked good. And then I went to was I? Turkey, and I was doing the show in, in Turkey, and. Uh, and they, they completely ripped off um, what's the, the, sh- the thing that they had in France, but, um, and it was on the show twice, I can't remember what it's called, the Cabaret de They completely ripped off the entire look of their stage, and the camera work, and the lighting, it looks exactly like it, except for it isn't the stage, it's just this just a slab of cement with no curtains, no nothing. And you and the audience can see everybody doing coming on the stage. It's so stupid. All this is for the camera, and they have this bullshit audience that acts exactly like the like Cabaret Dumas. They just ripped it off, and I had no idea what I was going to do. The agent sent me to that. And I go to do this show. And they and afterwards I see this, and the camera's going here, here, and hi! Eyeballs? I can see you right there. And hi, I don't I can see you. And they're just, because the cameras are these super sharp angles. You know, I had no idea. This, And then I go, I got to change that. That looks like shit. So now I have these uh, leather things on my arms. And some of it are, are you know, those, those sh- that shit that they sell you. It's really cheap. Like, shit. like you injured your arm. It's like oh, this yeah, elastic. Yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's got like that, so it won't move. But this thing's like right... On my arm here and here, and the reels are here, so so they're they're backwards. So it basically shoots them right inside my sleeves on, from the inside, nice, yeah. which is way better. But a pin asks
1: <laughs>
2: before I get on stage, and I'm doing all these contortions. Is he stroking out at the moment. And uh, uh, stuff like that. And then, um, and because uh, the, I have this, the other thing that I want to say is, I have this uh, this idea that about, I, I mentioned this before, that something that I call a construct that makes all magic work. Well, however people think magic works, they're wrong. It's the construct. And the, what the construct is, is that we don't see reality for what it is. You're a shell. You're not a three-dimensional being right now. You're just... What I see is what there there is. If I don't see below that, I don't think about that. If I don't see this, it is that you basically, we model everything that we see. And it's based on what we've seen in the past. And the whole purpose of the construct is to make us feel safe, no matter what we're looking at, so that we can um, look at people with, you know, who are deformed or whatever and not freak out. You know, we, we have to, our construct keeps us feeling safe. And no matter, so whenever you present something to the audience, Whatever it is, even if it's goofy or whatever, it has to kind of be familiar, look like something they've seen before so they feel safe. The only thing that in the audience that might not make them, not make them feel safe is my character itself because it's, it's, it's out there, nutty. So I want all of my props to look like something kind of ordinary, like they, they should know what it is the second that they see it. And then when they, when they see the character, they go, I know this motherfucker, I know, I know this guy. And they don't. They just think they do because of the, either a little bit of the presentation and a little bit of the, 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 the way that it's built or the way that they present themselves or whatever. But the, but the construct I find is like, like like this trick here, I'm taking the ring, I pull it off, I throw it back on. And the whole reason it works is because of the construct. You know, because what, I'm actually, what? <laughs> great. Oh. Okay, well, uh, so I, I'm like this, right? I go over here and grab my finger. So you're saying you're so he grabbed my finger, right? Now, if I take it off, you're not going to think, well, maybe he switched fingers at that moment, just as if. You're not going to think that. You're going to think what you've seen in the past is always in the present. And so I'm creating a construct that is good. A a good construct looks exactly like a normal reality thing. And then a miracle, Oh shit, you know. But that's how every goddamn magic trick works. And it was something I discovered on my own, and I started calling it that. And I don't know why. Start because um, I don't know. It's just a and and, I, and I, that has allowed me to, to always you know create stuff that works almost every not as far works uh, as far as mechanically works every time, but as far as the effect, it works every time. You understand the principle of the construct and the character creates a construct too, because because if your character is too weird, people have great personalities; they can make almost anything works for them. People who are just completely comfortable, they can make a lot of things work for them. But not everybody can do that. Most people can't do that. So you, you need to put something in front of them that they say, I know what this is. I know what this is. I know what that is. I know what this is. So they don't feel stupid and they don't feel like they're in a, a room of horrors, you know, or the opposite, you know, the opposite things to happen. And I, and for me, it's. I think that creating constructs, and and in some ways, they're a little bit cliche. You know, they look like something they've seen before, so they feel safe. That's the whole job of the construct, to make them feel safe. Not you, not not the performer, but the audience feel safe. I know what that is. And they almost, and when it's really good, they anticipate what you're going to do before you do it. And then they're really safe. So, So, that's a... I don't remember... What it was that Drew brought me to that conclusion—it was something I was trying to figure out. And I realized this idea, and so oh, somebody kept using this word "construct," construct. and I go, "That's mean? <laughs> and so, and then I—I I discovered it while doing magic. I go, "Oh, this is a construct because this is you know, and it's and it's it's a." That you construct in your mind. It's just like what—that's how, how prejudice works too. You know, somebody sees something and they don't feel comfortable with it. They don't have a construct for a black person. You know, they never met, met with before. or somebody who's got no arms. You know, that freaks them out, and they want to look at it all the time. They don't want—they want to turn away it's because they're afraid. But when something is completely familiar, that guy is really a psychopath, and you didn't know it, you know, because he looks completely normal. And that's why all psychopaths and pedophiles want to look completely normal, like the guy next door. <laughs> You know, so you feel safe around them. So you feel real safe.
3: <laughs> I feel a little too safe. Mr. Sylvester was a very decent human being. I never knew. We didn't see it coming. So,
2: <laughs> so, I don't, so I, yeah, I think that, that there's elements of, of creating a character in that, that idea too. So, so, is this stuff been helpful? Is this? Yes. Helpful? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Where, where do you feel like you get being a magician like I always say the magicians look at the world differently, right? We look at the possibility of something of what it can become right? right. so do you feel like your inspiration comes from just the idea that you already know like the construct of what you're trying to create and you see something go
0: kind of, kind of like the hair again
1: on the wall in the bathroom like that's Common thread through
2: your entire. <laughs> um, you no, know, stuff comes all different ways. I rarely ever say, you know, I need a trick right here. Let me, you know, I, I rarely ever, ever, ever do that. It's usually something that either comes to me in my head as a kind of a dream kind of thing or something that I saw in cartoons saying, is that possible, you know, to do this or something? But, you know, but even when you do that, you have to make it fit you and the character. Even though you're a crazy character, if you go too far from that, then you're going out of that construct. So, you've got, so there's all these different things that you give and takes and trial and, and and error and you you can't do anything. The laws of physics prevent you from just doing whatever the hell you want. Right. So and it's almost not not some things come easy, surprisingly easy. Some things come surprisingly. I've been working on one thing for like five years. It's still aren't even supposed
3: to.
2: I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It was this stupid idea. And then I told this to Mike Caveney. He said, you know what the problem with that is? No one's ever gonna see it. And that's because it's on the ground. The idea was to, um, to limp on stage. Come out on uh, stage limping, and I go, Oh,
1: I got something in my pocket.
2: And then a golf ball falls out of my pant. and I say, Oh, I got a hole in my pocket. And look what else. And I pull a golf club out of my pocket. And I go, and I look at the golf ball, and, <coughs> and then I go, and I reach out to my pocket, and I take out this flag. And on the end of the flag is a hole, a two dimensional hole. So I walk right over here and I set it. and it stays there and the flag stays there and everything stays there and I go right it away and I practice putting like a cartoon would and I whack it really hard and it goes (laughs) around the pole and then goes drops right in the two-dimensional hole. That's awesome. I've got it figured out how to do it, but it's still, but (laughs) nothing... Nothing wants to work with me, you know. Nothing wants to work for me. I mean, I figured most of it out a long time ago. I'm mean, in my head, I can do it. It's just finding the pieces. And one of the, one of them is a toroidal spring. You know what that is? It's a, a spherical spring. It's made to shape exactly like a golf ball, oversized slightly. And I just found one for the first time. I mean, I've seen them at spring stores, but you. If you buy them there, you have to buy a thousand of them and they're extremely expensive. This is slight is only this big, complete coil. And I and I've done it one time before my first method was wasn't a spring, it was a it was pieces. I took a golf ball, chuck, shaved them into pieces, and put those into this latex version of a golf ball I made and so they collapsed and went down on the face, so, so they went completely flat. But it wouldn't pop back out again and it would and also, just doing that over and over and over again would really kind of fuck it up. And, and also, using latex isn't the right stuff because it, it vulcanizes after a while. But, so, I want to make one with a very thin silicone shell. Looks exactly like golf ball just oversized so you can see it from the stage. And then I have um, a, a caddy. A guy's going to be my caddy who pulls the, the, the uh, flag out. So... But, but what happens is there's a thread, a piece of invisible thread that runs to this hole. On the stage are invisible um, Velcro. Have you ever seen that before? Invisible Velcro. Invisible Velcro. They're little bits of Velcro about this big, and they're transparent. So you put them in, randomly here, you know, right? and the audience doesn't know they're there, and they can't see it from, from five feet away. And then you have this hole. It's got a lip around it about this high, just exactly like a... Well, right. that thing does, and, and and it's got a magnet in the center or something that at least that I can put the the, the thing in there and pull it out. So it looks like it is a hole in you know, it's two dimensional. And so and then there's a loop of thread that runs here. How does it go now? Oh, so the thread goes. The thread the balls are here. Yeah, the thread that runs here, goes all the way here, and then there's a loop that its back, and you have your foot in the loop. And you whack the ball so you're not even whacking it close to it. And as you back up, as you back up, you're pulling the three, strength, two to one ratio, and it's getting, going faster and faster. So it spins around like this. And as soon as it gets to the center, it goes, and pulls the ball flat down into the thing, it's gone. Then you can pick it up and you go, okay, put, the, put the hole in your pocket, put every, and the flag and everything will go, go back in my pocket. That was the idea. That's awesome. That's and ask me out, because portable hole is the coolest yeah, yeah. idea. That is. <laughs> and that would be cool. I've seen somebody do a portable whole thing, but it was kind of
1: just I've only seen like one other person do a Literally. portable whole thing. Who was that?
2: The old old guy?
1: Like twenty years ago at Magi Fest, this kid would, uh, he was using it as a ditch box. Basically, it was this. It was a box that was on stage, and at the end, throwing everything into it, uh, he. Would, it off, off and it was, it was just a piece of black cool. belt basically and that was solid like, you know and it was like what the you know in a little thin, oh, tiny box it's really, really awesome. awesome that's a time i've never seen one
2: well i i would, i had like a my hat is kind of like a portable hole because yeah. i've taken uh what did i take out of my hat i take the 10 foot pole out of my hat and i've taken all kinds of shit out of my hat um, i don't know what the biggest thing i ever took a small child a small child, <laughs> I'm a little help there. No, no, had to say, push, push. No, but uh, yes. but, no, um, but I, I just thought so. I, when I said this to my and he said, Yeah, but nobody will ever see it because it's flat on a stage. And I realized, Oh my god, that might be right. Nobody uh, will be able to see that, right? And that's kind of like made me put the brakes on. And the only reason I thinking about it again is. I found an egg beater that had one of these little springs right. inside it just recently. I go, oh, maybe I'll try that idea just for, you know, some stupid place where I could do it and it will work. Right. Just in case. <laughs> just in case, yeah. But I, I know it won't be super easy because so far I cannot find uh, even a toy golf ball that is that size. They're either this big or they're just a little bit smaller. And, Know, anybody who could you know the, no, no, make either make a spring a little, a little bit small I couldn't find my I have machinist friends and they go well making a spring like that is you know not super hard but pretty damn." you <laughs> know no, it's the setup that actually costs everything. Put it on you just have spin the wire on a shape like that' done right not easy right so I don't know. I, I really thought we were going to save the
1: world somehow. Just... We, we might. We might. We might inspire some. That's I was talking about. We have these conversations of like writing this book to, to inspire some a kid, and we don't know that may invent something because he sees magic, gets into his imagination, and invents something that changes the world.
2: So, so, so is this all being recorded? On yes. this? Yeah.
1: Oh no! I
3: forgot to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> have to do it all over again. Start over. <laughs> so, so it would be a written thing. In- yeah. So what we're doing is like, you know, a lot of people. I mean, I don't know how long we've been sitting here talking. Um, <laughs> it's not really uh, like an hour and twelve minutes. Oh, no. So what we what we'll do is we'll take the best parts that you've said, and we'll yeah. take sections out and put them into the so book. In the so end, like it's going to be a minute long. Yeah, about five minutes. It's <laughs> so only a minute worth of shit stuff What's the rest? It just says, uh, pull the child out of a hat, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dirty jokes, and we're like, great. Um really dirty jokes? And then, uh, well, we're also going to release the audio, because we're not going to put everything in the book, otherwise the book's going to be yeah, you know, gigantic. So we'll release the audio. Also, we go listen. We put the best stuff in the book, but there's a couple stories that are in the audio. We suggest you listen to the audio because you're really going to get a little more. To oh, it. Cool. So, so how, how does the, the audience? How, how do you get audio from a book? Uh, they'll download it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: oh so the, the, it'll be a thing for them to go to hear. Yeah, to be
3: able to listen to it. Do that.
2: That's that's nice. That's nice.
3: Yeah, we actually, uh, we, we, someone pre-ordered some books today and. We, we attached the Rudy Colby audio. We're like, you know, I'm pretty to get the Rudy Colby and a couple to did today.
2: No, I know. I just, you know, I never worked with Rudy before in my life until Malaysia. Right. And, and and when Rudy's got, us, he always seems like he knows what to say. I remember he did an interview, same exact thing I did. And I was just like sitting there, not sure what, because I don't remember even what their interview uh, was exactly. It might have been also on character. I don't know. It was just these Dutch people that, and they were a part of the show, and uh, and Rudy was just he, blah blah blah, just went yeah. on and on and on, and it went on for like a, a, easily over an hour, and everything was um, was was really, it I, just hanging out with him. I never, I didn't used to like him because he's such an asshole sometimes, you know, and um, but I loved his character on stage. I liked. And, and I, I won't say that I was inspired by him because I didn't even know him when I was doing Sylvester the Jester when I started creating it. But, um, but and, and I don't know, maybe in some ways he's gotten humbled by things in the past, but when we weren't staying in the same dressing room in Malaysia and, uh, and we got along great. And, I, and ever since I took my wife to see a show that he did at, the, I don't remember, El Rey Theater or something like that. we went to It wasn't that one, it was a different one. Went to this theater and, and and I said, We should do a show together called Two Cartoons Kill Each Other.
1: <laughs>
2: and, and and
3: but you know, I don't know if that will <laughs> ever happen, but it would
2: be it would be cool. cool. cool.
3: I know. I, He's I, like the mad scientist and somehow he grabs you out of a television Yeah.
2: <laughs> I could be his, his lackey even, you know, and then he could be and then I could you know. I don't know. I, I want to create that. Um, I just thought it would be a cool, a cool idea. Just think two guys are completely opposites, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Every, everybody's
3: been really generous, especially you sit down with us. Like it's been with
2: amazing. Stand
3: up. Is that it? Generous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, generally. Everybody's been really nice, and when, when it started out, I didn't think, you know, some. I kind of look at some of the magicians. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, they got better things to do. They're just gonna say no. You know, like that's well, a, right <laughs> <It's laughs> a slow time. It's blown my mind that the people have uh, have said yes. So it's... Well, you know, maybe um, somebody will
2: say, "Oh, that's really helpful." You know, I yeah. kid still act. <laughs> that's a that's a thing that irritates me more than anything else. Just, and and sometimes it happens by accident. You know, but I mean, I I know at least. Half a dozen people. I've sent. Oh, I don't kind of, I don't know who wants this, but I brought this for a gift for you. Oh, what am I making sparks here. Holy moly, really? Dude, oh my god, those things are
1: awesome!
2: Yeah, so. How do so, you hold I want to blow my hand. So you put a nine volt battery. Now I would, I would try to go online and find a, I didn't bring one because this was, I just realized I had these in the car, and I said, "Oh, I should give you guys one." Take a nine volt battery. If you can find a NiCad, they're they're mm. black. Mm-hmm. Go online and try to find them. this guy from Canada sells them. And NiCad batteries are, in some ways, really shitty, but in some ways, fantastic because they have the they don't, they don't have a lot of voltage and they don't last very long. But they have the lowest internal resistance of any battery there is, so they they're on par with a lithium battery, but they just don't have that much uh current but if you know the equation if you have almost no resistance you have but you don't have as long so when i put one of those batteries in here and you know you put the battery going this way of course with the tips this way and also if you're right-handed you can switch it to go the other direction so it's right-handed or left-handed depending on how you hold it and the rubber band just Holds it in place so it can float in there. And so you just squeeze it like this. And the sparks either shoot out this way or that way. But the reason I say get one of these batteries is because they're rechargeable. And you can use them over and over and over again. And I just didn't have it. Because I didn't even think of this That's until awesome. and this is just,
3: And this is just like a, a Dremel disc, right?
2: Yeah, uh, sort of. It's, it's actually not a Dremel disc. You, you can't get these. Uh, the only reason I got Remember I told you about working at the dentist's office. They use these are. Are cut off cutting wheels for, uh, and they're really expensive, and so I,
3: you know, so all you do is just squeeze the battery.
2: Yeah, so you squeeze the, the battery. So is the switch? Oh
3: wow! wow. And then I yeah. made another one. So it touches here. Gotcha. Yeah right.
2: right. So so this spring holds it away because this is it's not really what it was made for. But see, <laughs> I just cut off the end. Yeah, it was over
1: on this side. So I have uh, that. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I had a, a friend who had one of those. Uh, he was an electrician, and that was one of the things he would do with like the new guy yeah. on the. <laughs> 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 that to do a box?
2: <laughs> I I've I've made one. Me. One like this. It has. It has this. Let me see how it's,
1: is it it's going.
2: It's going this way.
1: Mm. So it's just upwards. Mm. And then it's. I uh, got a
2: lot of this whittled wind. It has a top on it, so that you can't accidentally touch it. It doesn't have the battery here. It's got a. It's got fake battery, a 9-volt battery here, like this. It's completely a shell. No top on it, but it has, you know, the little tits or whatever you want to call it at the top. It has that, but it's just a piece of wire that looks, it's soldered, looks exactly like those. So you hold this like you're holding a battery here. That's two tricks in one. I love this. (laughs) Then it has the coolest thing I ever invented, which was an accident for this trick called the Acme Magnet Pills, which I actually did, but it all dry rotted in my... Garage and 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 one of the effects is uh, this is so so great that I, I, I'm afraid to tell somebody about it because it doesn't even have. But imagine if you had a hinge at the bottom of this cup. piece a wire. And you went down here and it just held things below the table. Right. That's
3: basically what it is. So you
2: pick this up and now this thing is behind here. And when here a big object and you will not see this it, like a pitch. It looks exactly like the is a wire. So. So I have something like this but on the end is uh, one of my tongues, again, right? But can, the very tip of it is one of those silicone tongues. So, so basically um, what I do is I, I come to this battery and I pick this up in my mouth and then you see me coming towards it what it looks like my real tongue. Right, But the roll part, and this is on a wire, so I go, and I touch the top of the batter and spark. I'm going, And then I go, that's a good one. You know, it's really, it's, it, it, it doesn't, it, it plays, it's just, it's just a it plays that's huge, that's huge, you know. Awesome. And, and, um, but, and I, I there's this guy, and I won't even call my friend, he's such a, such a,
1: a, a pick.
2: Um, I liked him when I first met him, his name is DJ Swamp. Ever hear him? He's a famous kind of DJ. Goes all over America. He's from Ohio too, but he's kind of crazy. I make so many of these things. I mean, like he's got like thirty of them, and after one year, they're all destroyed. And I made him one with, and this this one, with a lithium battery that he wanted to put it in his mouth. He
1: sparks out of as well.
2: And I don't understand how this works. I have no clue as to how it, can, it happens. But sometimes just the spinning of the disc makes a, a plasma oh, right, right. from the flint. Yeah, okay. yeah. And it shot sparks from here to that metal thing. And it's on, because up, up he's a DJ. And he's doing, he had one of these in each hand. As he's doing record scratching and sparks going. And he sticks his thing in his mouth and turns it on. And it sparks threw through sparks. He wow. said, Eight to ten feet straight out, and he's, he's got it on film. And I go, oh. and I'm still cannot quite figure out why that happened. Why ten feet? <laughs> I mean, it's bizarre. So, I, but anyhow, this was John Kennedy who said. That's good, good one, Dan. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, I'll take it if you don't. Uh, I'll I'll pick it
3: up and put it in
1: my. Any other questions?
3: I think that was great, so thank you. Thanks. Awesome. 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 Meeting you again for the first
1: time. Meeting me again for the first time. Where did you first meet me back?
0: We sat inside the cafe and continued our coffee drinking and idle chit chat as the afternoon began to fade. Daniel even gifted us with a lovely little effect that we found very amusing. Our conversation came to a close. Daniel Sylvester said goodbye and drove off into the hills of California. We took a stroll back to our hotel to rest for tomorrow's interview.